Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles that society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. And we're back, team, with another podcast with myself. Hayden Rolf, and we also have another. This is the third guest in a row. What a role. I know we went from promising guests. I think we got two, and then it just died a, a sink, like much like the Titanic. And then we're back, and now we've got three guests. So 2024 clearly is all about overachieving in the podcast. <laughs> Maybe this is it. Maybe this is our, our calling: is this podcast and guestings. How are you, Mister Hayden? Oh, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. It's a, a horrible, horrible day in the UK here. The um, typical British podcast, straight to the weather and how miserable it is. I know it really does yeah. determine my mood as well. It's uh, oh, massive. It, it set, sets the tone for how the day is going to be. So this I mean, is going to probably get into this into the call, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. And you know what's really funny? And I'll, we'll get uh, uh, Alex's our guest. We'll get her to introduce herself before we do. I thought how good it would be, right, to have. So I've got a window in front of me to have screens like. Imagine if you eventually could just have screens on the windows that you could just like choose what your view was, like view of the beach or view of something. And I sat and I was like, imagine how much better like I would feel each day just like looking out and it's like ultimately just a projected screen of like some nice countryside. It would put me in a better mood sitting here every single day with like a really nice visual thing. Anyway, talking about things like mood and, and, and negativity and these sorts of things, we've got, this isn't what she does directly, but we've got special guest Alex here today. So Alex... Tell us who you are. Tell us where, what is this like blind day? Tell us where you're from, who you are, and what it is that you do to the listeners here today on this miserable UK weather podcast. Hello. So I'm Alex Cross. I am a transformational life coach, and I essentially work with women to help them overcome self-doubt so that they can confidently unlock their infinite potential and create a life that reflects who they truly are. You practiced that, that before we started, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was rehearsed. I've heard that. <laughs> I've, actually got a qu- I've got a oh, question uh, straight, straight away, straight in. Because I've always I've always wondered, like, what is what's what is the difference of a life coach? So whenever I hear like life coach, I never actually fully understand the term of what a life coach is. Could you explain to me what a life coach is? Yeah. This is a great question. This is a really great question. So I would say for me, like a life coach for me is someone who can just help someone identify the areas in their life that they feel really stuck and kind of like trapped in and where you keep repeating the same cycles and keep repeating the same patterns really to help you really elevate and help you take steps towards what you truly want from life and not be held back by the self-doubt, by all of the typical things we hear from people that keep them stuck repeating those same patterns and behaviors. So it's deeply, deeply personalized. And I would never say like that one, I have one specific methodology that I use with people. I specialize personally with gentle healing modalities. So I use energy healing. I use meditation, mindfulness techniques, EFT, just to really help create a really tailored experience for the people that I work with, knowing that everyone has totally different experiences as they move through the world. So just having a toolbox of things to use, I would say. Okay. 
I love that. And so it doesn't necessarily so it doesn't necessarily need to be so prime example, right? Our podcast and what we do with our coaching is very much like weight loss specific. If someone comes to us, they're like, hey, no, I want to actually gain body fat, we're like, probably not the right people for you. Is like, so with life coaching, it doesn't matter like necessarily what the thing is going on that's holding them back. It, you work with a, a massive range of like anyone, whether they're stressed at work, whether it be a like a partner thing, whether it be anything. Yeah, absolutely. So I have people who come to me with relationship challenges. I have people who come really overwhelmed and stressed in corporate jobs. I have people who are stay-at-home mums and they really want to build a business. So they want to start building confidence around like what it is they truly want because they are so overwhelmed with ideas. They don't know where to start. So yeah, I work with a really wide range of people with all different kind of challenges. That's cool. That's epic. I literally, I was speaking to someone earlier today and they were asking me basically some questions. I've known them for quite a while and they were just asking me some things about like the business. And I literally thought straight away, I was like, you have all of the tools and everything you need. I was like, you you know exactly what you need to do. There's just something that's stopping you moving forward from doing it. I was like, that's ultimately a thing. Hmm. Okay. You've got a lot to thought about there. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is as well, like it's all intertwined. Like how you're showing up in your business is how you're showing up in your relationships. How you're showing up in your relationships oh God, yeah. is how you're showing up in every element of your life. And to be honest, like what I see even though the people that I work with, all their experiences are very different. It all comes down to like one thing and it's having that deep self-acceptance for yourself and a deep self-love that is unshakable and building on those foundations. And that's really the root of most of people's self-doubt. And yeah. it all comes from different places, but it's all pretty much the same kind of work. Isn't it like, I remember reading this, it's like you're more, you're four times you're four times more likely to remember the negative stuff that happened or that you did than you are the good stuff. And it's like, no wonder everyone struggles with self-confidence, self-belief of doing anything. Because if out of the day, out of 24 hours in the day, for example, you spend like 18 of them thinking about negative things and six of them thinking about like good things. It's like, no wonder we struggle to like be, I mean, we're sleeping, right? No one doesn't sleep, but you get the gist of where I'm going. It's like, there's a lot of time that you spend every day thinking about like, oh, what I should have done, what I didn't do. We never like, you don't, you never can remember the last time you spent a whole day being proud of yourself for something that you did or achieved. But I damn well know that you've spent a whole day digging yourself out for something you did the day before that you regret and shouldn't have done. And this is it, this is kind of a bit of a tangent, but one thing that I'm really passionate about is I personally had this. Uh, I had like a house, a really successful career, a really nice car and all of those things. But I still was not in a great place and I just didn't appreciate those things. I still felt a deep sense of dissatisfaction. And what I really want is like you can have all of those things, but when you're coming from a place where you actually value, you have gratitude and you love and appreciate yourself, there isn't that emptiness where you're grasping at things. So you can have all of those things without chasing them to fill a void that is never going to be filled with those things anyway. So you can actually just enjoy them and experience them on a much deeper level. And that's what I feel really is hugely transformative in people's lives is just the perception of things. It's not even actually changing your life at all. It's just how you move through the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Before we start going on tangents, because this is going to come up, we're very good. Me and Hayden, honestly, we've done like, we've done like a 50 minute podcast before Alex, and we've probably gone on a tangent for 30 minutes of it. <laughs> then we're like, Let's bring the back. Topic. <laughs> <laughs> I love a tangent. A, I think it's a talent. I think it's a talent. So the thing that we're going to talk about, and it does tie nicely into it, 
is negative self-talk. You know, we kind of alluded to a little bit there. Like, you know, I said, like, we're one in, we're, we're four times more likely to remember that stuff. So tell, I, I suppose, let's start, like, <clears throat> let's start by what have, what experiences have you had with negative self-talk with clients? I suppose, what do you kind of make and yourself, where do you think it often stems from? And then we'll go from there kind of. So negative self-talk, honestly, can stem from so many different places, but more often than not, it's from experiences that we've had in our lives and we make them mean something about ourselves. So a lot of this comes from like really early on in our childhood and things that we have made mean something about us. So it's it's quite deep work to get to the root of what is causing the negative self-talk. And I do think that's really important to get to the root of it so you can actually process where that has come from. And they're really like the inner narratives, but they're very, very subtle as well. And what I see is people using a lot of language like, I don't know, they're like, oh, it was I I overrate and it was horrendous and I was awful and I'm such a bad person and making things mean things about ourselves. And this is how it's, I see it show up in just the way that they describe situations or how they did something and they were like, I was so bad in that situation or I was really horrible and just that language that we talk to ourselves and someone's saying it out loud and it's the first thing that I kind of talk to and speak to when I'm with clients is this just the language that is used around it but actually what I learned when very early on when I was coaching is then people would come to me and the language would be different and they'd have learned to kind of be kinder to themselves and then I was like but what's going on in your mind like are you being kind to yourself internally too and she was like no and this Mm -hmm. was And I was like, wow, this is exactly what happened to me for years was I became aware of the negative self-talk and I was so aware of it. But for like good six years, I was so frustrated and that's the only way I can describe it. And I'm talking about body image. I'm talking about fear of weight gain and how awful I was to myself if I overate or if I ate something that I felt like I shouldn't be eating. And that period of being aware was horrendous because I was so frustrated because I just couldn't move past this negative self-talk. So I would tell everyone like, oh, I love myself. I appreciate myself. But actually like the toxic thoughts in my mind were awful. And there was so much shame there that I couldn't talk to anyone about it because I was so embarrassed about how bad that self-talk was. And it just thrived on, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And it just stopped me doing so much. And I see it in my clients, how much it's held them back from doing things because we, when we're not honest about it, we need to be really, really honest with ourselves. And there's so much shame there. We feel like, and I certainly found this when I learned about self-love and I was like, oh, I love myself. And I didn't. And it, what happened was it was just another way to beat myself up and say that I wasn't good enough because I couldn't love myself. Like, how could I not love myself? It was just another metric, another way of being like, you're not good enough because you can't love yourself. And I just think that those six years were really, really, like outwardly, I would have been confident outwardly. And I just felt so out of alignment because what I was saying and my actions were just completely different. So how, how do you... in? How how do you cross that bridge then? So let's say you've got someone because I I can literally when you spoke when you say this I can think of so many people straight away who have got this issue where what they say on the front end and what they they talk about I know deep down isn't really how they're feeling and stuff. So how do you make that bridge from being like okay 
I'm I'm being told by social media that I should be I should be confident in my body. I should be all of these other things, but then the actual truth, like the, the negative talk in my head is very, very different. How do you start to really cross that bridge? The first step I would always say is the awareness. So becoming really aware of this negative self-talk because it's so subtle. And this has probably been going on for like decades in people's lives. They're not even aware that they're doing it. They're not even aware how, I don't want to use the word bad, but like how overwhelming these thoughts are and how much they show up in how they approach everything, like how they, you know, approach social situations and they're worrying of people judging them and all of those things. So the first thing is awareness. And you can do this through journaling, through meditation, and just becoming aware of those thoughts. And I would always recommend journaling as the first point, because I I understand like meditation can take some time for people to be able to get what they need from that. It's a really valuable tool, but journaling is always going to be the best place Mm. to start so the awareness is is because then you can unpick then you can see the patterns then you can see the triggers so if for example like you're constantly saying that you're not good enough like this is an unworthiness wound like where has that come from where have you found where do you feel like you're unworthy where has that come from and there's a number of questions that really simple questions that I always ask myself so the first one is is this true like, is this unworthiness true? Because no one gets to tell us that we're worthy or not. And the second thing I always think is, is this mine? Like, is this my belief? Or is it someone else's? Like, whose voice is that in your head? Is it your mum's? Is it your grandparents? Is it, you know, a friend from school? Is it, where has this come from? Is it mine? Because the reality is, these are just thoughts. They're not mm. real. They're just thoughts. And we are not our thoughts. And this is like so. Like, I want to say as well, like nothing I say here is going to like change your life right this second. Like there's nothing that I can say that's going to do that, but being aware of it. So when we have this thought, it's just one thought. But what happens is we have this thought and we get on a train, we get on a train and it's like one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought. And you're on this whole like self-destruct train and it's actually learning to get off just to stop earlier, just to stop earlier, just to Mm. stop earlier. So you don't end up in the destination of like fear, overwhelm, anxiety. So how can you get off a stop sooner? And really, the other thing that I would say as well, we talk about positive affirmations and I do think they serve a purpose. But what I would say is there's a real sophistication in finding dialogue that works for you, not just I'm capable and I'm strong. Because actually what I find is that can actually be more triggering because then you're like, hang on, I'm not capable. And all these positive affirmations yeah. actually can trigger something inside of you where you're like, whoa, I'm not worthy. And then you go back in this cycle. So actually finding dialogue that actually resonates with you. I would never give my clients positive affirmations that I'd written myself. I want them to write them and I want them to be to resonate with them so that yeah. when they're speaking to themselves, you know, for example, we say like, I can do hard things. Where's the truth in that? Where's the evidence that you can do hard things? Because if you don't believe it, there's no point saying it. You have to believe it. Otherwise, it's just nonsense and actually it's more triggering. So that would be the thing that I would say is like, what dialogue, what language can you really use that resonates deeply with you so that you can actually use, whether you call them positive affirmations or positive yeah. self-talk. The other thing as well, just around language as well with negative self-talk, I kind of, the words that I prefer to use are like unproductive, 
self-talk or productive self-talk. Like, mm-hmm. And then I asked myself, is this productive? Is this going to help me achieve my goals? And I know, Ryan, you said about one, like one of your clients. And it's like, we talk about, the, you know, you can, you can lose a lot of weight. But if you're being really negative to yourself, it's fleeting because you're relying on an external factor to validate yourself. Mm-hmm. And actually, confidence comes from one place and one place alone, and that is with us. We can go to a coach and they can inspire us and help motivate us, but it's fleeting and it will always be fleeting because we are relying externally all the time. And when you learn the tools, the resources, the dialogue that you need to learn to instill that confidence within you, you're it's unshakable. It's not based on what other people think. It's not based on other people's judgment. And that unshakable confidence is all, you can only get that when you tune into your thoughts and you stop allowing that negative self-talk to lead you on that train all the way to the fear the anxiety the overwhelm yeah yeah it's an identity thing isn't it like mm-hmm. like you play I, I say this when i say about emotional eating i'm like oh i am they're like yeah i'm an emotional eater and the first thing i'm like no you're not an emotional eater you're just someone that occasionally eats in line with their emotions the power shift that that changes to someone that you identify as this or you just someone that just does an action they are two very 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 different things in regards to like how you react as well. And the other point I wrote, wrote, in, wrote down notes because otherwise I'd forget, uh, when you said about those affirmations, that's uh, one thing that kind of comes to my mind is also if you don't believe them, it then can cause disruption as well in regards to like, I'm lying to myself, right? So like to say like, like I am, like if I was to stand in the mirror, like you two will laugh at this, like I'm a CrossFit athlete. I am a CrossFit athlete, and I go and, and I don't train CrossFit. I'm just lying to myself every day because actually mm. I haven't come up with that myself. I've used something that isn't true to me that someone else has maybe told to me. Do you see what I mean? And you end up then maybe even feeling worse because you're then lying to yourself, if yeah. that makes sense, because it wasn't a true thing for you. And I think I, I think we had this conversation, Alex, briefly as well, when I said about like the whole happiness of that. I can't remember who said it. It was a monk, I think, that said it. It was like, when what you say, what you think and what you do aren't aligned, that's when you're not content and happy because ultimately it just has this underlying lack of congruency right because you can be like you know someone in a check is like yeah i'm showing up i'm doing this but the way it's not happening you're like well okay well you're telling me that you know you're doing all these changes but we're not seeing the result at the other side so some part of this isn't aligned which causes even more discontent inside because things aren't aligned right you know all of us can probably think of someone at school that like said these things and then when they got caught out they threw a massive wobbly and they were totally like uneasy and i could think back to them and the reason is they did that, why they, was un- they did it because they were unconfident, but it's because they cared a lot about what people think externally. So they used to kind of lie about, you know, we had a kid that's, <laughs> I'm not going to say the name, but we used to, I'm going to say Jeff, just for an example, just in case someone I know or something. And we used to call him Jeff Two Sheds, because if you had one shed, he had two. Like, and that, but you now looking back, I'm like, he used to do that. Know, because, that <laughs> yeah, because they used to, <laughs> they probably do, they listen. Because they used to just pro- project that like their worth and their value was the fact that they their parents were wealthy and that they had more money. But they did. They are a wealthy. But he had to constantly chase this Proof. like seek of approval. Yeah. Which must have been, you know, looking back that that must have been so draining and also internally disturbing because you're like, I'm just lying to the world as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just want to. Sorry, no, go on. You go ahead. Hayden. 
I was just going to go back to like the affirmation piece as well because I, I, I this is this is incredible and I'm so glad you brought this up because when we first started our program as well, this is what something that I I believed needed to be done and I I thought a lot of like this self help stuff like affirmation like I went quite deep into it for maybe the best part of a year and I too was doing the exact behaviours of reading these affirmations and being like okay, like this is the person who I should be. Like, if I say it enough, I'm going to change. And we started to introduce it into our academy, the program. And I'm actually now, like, I've swung the complete opposite direction. Like, I, I, just like you said, it's not that affirmations don't have a place, and I think they can be great, but there's a 5% of people that can benefit from them, literally like 5%. Because for most part, it's what we think we should be doing. And this is what I was finding with a lot of our clients they were doing. I would get clients message me being like, hey, and I'm reading these, but I just, like, they're not really meaning anything. And I'm like, yeah. well, you need to read them more. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is, is it's like, just like Ryan said, is they're reading it, but they're not believing it. Mm. So they're just reading these empty. And this is what I always have emotional, uh, what I have with quotes, right? I'm like, they're just empty words that don't really mean anything. And this is what they were doing. They were reading these quotes, but they wasn't really coming in. So it wasn't changing. And that, what I noticed more than anything, was exacerbating the issue of them hating themselves because they were like, I'm broken. Like, if I, I truly like, yeah. I must, there must be something wrong with me because this Another isn't working. Doesn't work. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like what I always think as well. So it's like some of the work that I do with my clients, we go deep in meditations and it's like, I actually just want you to like put your hands on your heart and feel it. Like, what does this feel like in your body? Because when we're not doing things with intention, we're just saying them. It's mm. like, you need to feel it in your body. Like our minds and our bodies are so connected, but we just think, oh, we'll say it. And people do share this rhetoric online. Just say it. What you say, you become. And it's like, no, what you feel, you become. What you feel, mm -hmm is what you become. It's the embodiment of the work. And, you know, I, I speak about this a lot, like the amount of people that just spout out like, oh, I've read this book and I've read that book. And then I'm like, have you actually read that book? Because your behavior is not saying that you've read that book. And mm -hmm. people don't take the time to embody anything that they're reading, mm -hmm. listening. And we, <clears throat> you know, we live in a, a world where we have got so much information at our fingertips, so much and people can consume, you know, five podcasts a day, read a book and all of these things. But are you actually spending any time integrating what you're learning? Because I say this quote all the time because my coach shared it with me, but to know and not to be is not to know. So you can know all of this information. But if you are not being it and you're not embodying it, you, you've wasted your time. Like, stop reading. So, and yeah. I had a client come to me. She was super overwhelmed, really, really anxious. And she was like, what book shall I read? And I was like, don't read anything. Like, don't read anything. Don't listen to podcasts. I literally gave her a playlist of music to listen to. And I was like, stop consuming stuff because this is not helping your overwhelm. It's not helping your anxiety. Just stop. Mm. And, you know, I think there's a real place for like intentionally reading, intentionally consuming mm. information to, for self-improvement. It's amazing. We've got so many tools, so many resources, but like, if, just stop wasting your time just to say you've read a book just to say yeah. or again it's like seeking validation i've read this book paul what have you done with it mm, yeah and and it's that information it's that information that information without implementation is pointless and i think i used to be a massive sucker like i look back and i'm like i could probably pick the past three books that i've read recently that i've taken and i've actually implemented things from them 
I can probably look at the other 30 odd books that I read when me and Hayden were really into like the self-development improvement that I read and, you know, like Atomic Habits, all this stuff that I never implemented until more recently when I've like wanted to do things. And I've now started to utilize, you know, habit, you both read that habit stacking, things like that. Right. So I read the book and I learned about things. I tell clients, but I'd never do them myself. And I wonder why I couldn't break habits or build better habits or, you know, the stuff about mindset. And, you know, I used to read books and the, they give you like, you know, a lot of the books give you tools that you can do like little implementation things that you can do whilst reading the book never used to do them. Whereas now I try and do them, not because I expect they're going to be managed, but I'm like, if I'm reading it, I need to fully immerse myself in it to actually, I want to take something away that I can action and make me better rather than just like read it, which I think is, is what happened with this kind of like self-improvement kind of age that we're going through. Everyone loves self-development stuff, but I'm like, it's great to said, you've listened to this podcast to read, read these books, but don't be one of those people that just read it and then didn't implement it just purely for the med the medal at the end rather than the, like with weight loss right it's great you got your goal but if you didn't enjoy the process of actually getting to that final goal or enjoy the process and take something away from reading that book you just wanted to get to the end and read the book you haven't learned anything i so this happened to me at the end of last year and so exactly the same resonate with everything you're saying about reading the books or really implementing implementing them there was a guy that said to me he was like what he does is every book he reads, and I've the last three books that I've read, I've done it. He was like, every book you read, he was like, at the end of the book, before you start another book, write down everything that you took from that book, first thing. So write out all of the notes that you took, like what was your takeaway messages from this book? And what could you take from this book to implement into your life to make a change? Oh my God, I can't even tell you like how many things it has changed. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. It's like that is that single task there. Honestly, I reckon some, because there's, do you know, it's crazy. Like there's literally like book masterminds out there that people pay thousand, thousand pounds to like basically get taught how to like read a book and implement it. Like thousand pounds. This guy's just told me one thing in like 15 seconds and it's literally like changed the game, like changed the game. It's crazy. Yeah. And I really think you would need to read a lot less books because there's a saying as well, there's no unique messengers, just no unique messages, just unique messengers. And it's so true. Like how many of these books are just regurgitated in a different uh, form by a different yeah. person? Actually, <laughs> it, you probably it, it need to read like a, a monk. Lot. Yeah. Like just read less books, actually. Just read one yeah. book and read it well. And you mm. probably don't need to read the 50 books that you've got on your list for the year. Yeah. The funny thing that 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 think like a monk is a great book, right? But I I think did I say this to you, Alex? I think we, we spoke about books briefly. Yeah. Think like a monk. Someone said to me that Jay Shetty regurgitates a lot. I literally have read, there's so much in there that he has got from some of the books I've already read. Like, and there's no credit given. There's stuff from the, the book Mindset that I read. There's stuff from Atomic Habits in there. There's stuff that he's got from Jordan Peterson in there because I've read Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. There's so much stuff in there that is like implementations from other people. And I'm, a part of me is like, you should, you should give credit maybe, but you're so right. And this book was literally like the holy grail for just regurgitate a lot of it. Not all of it, like some of it is his experiences, but a lot of it is regurgitation from other people that obviously he's read and then just put it in a book. Well, interestingly, on Wednesdays, I have like a self-development day. So that's the day for me where I'm not working on my business specifically. I'm doing self-development. And part of that, I joined a study group where we read a book and we were talking about it. And I got so much more from that book. It was incredible because we actually spent time and we were going through like a chapter a week. 
So it didn't, it wasn't like this rush to get through a book to say I'd read the book. Mm. And it was the most incredible experience that I'd had because I actually read the book and it integrated it and actually felt like I took so much more away from it, seeing other people's point of views, the things that I'd maybe missed in the book or overlooked. Someone else was like, that was, that really resonated with me. And I think there's a lot in that. Just, yeah, again, going off on tangents, but I really do think read something well, integrate it, and you mm. will save yourself a lot of time taking on more information all the time. We just don't need it. Yeah. And people that listen to this podcast as well, before I, before I just pass the head in this, if you're listening to this, whenever you listen to our podcast, like have your notes up on your phone. Like I literally sit here and when I'm reading books, like I'm, I make notes like and what you were saying, Hayden, I make notes in my book on what I learn in these books. And then I put it in a flip file. So like every little thing that I've learned, I just write like a set, like, you know, I read 10 pages every day of like a self-development book and then just like a businessy book. And I just write down like a couple of sentences, like my biggest takeaways. And like, like Hayden, you'll know, recently I read about the law of like reciprocation. So it's like, if you give something, you can, exp- like people will always feel the need to repay it. So I kind of took that information and I, thought about some things that we do in our business, how we could utilize this. Previously, I'd have read it and be like, oh, this is really interesting information, Hayden. And Hayden, like, cool. Whereas this time, I actually jumped on and was like, right, this is actually what I think could be really beneficial for, for this because I just learned it. And you, anyone that's reading the book list of podcasts, yeah, make notes. Over to you. Yeah. So I was just going to take it into, like you started to allude to, you know, when, when people have got these negative self-thoughts and they're thinking these things, then you're starting to ask yourself, where has this come from? Is this evidence true? What if the evidence is true? So say, for example, if you are, let me put, let me give you a situation. Let's say, for example, I'm like dumping. I'm yeah. Let's just say I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fat. Like I'm worthless. I'm all of this. And then I'm like, okay, where's this come from? Okay. This is actually stemmed from people used to call me fat at school. People used to make jokes to me. People who where do you like what's once you've now found that evidence which is like okay there is evidence how do you direct that so i think it's much deeper and much more complex and i think i would do an injustice to (laughs) literally talk about it because everyone's experience is so different but Mm. i think it's just allowing them to like accept that that's that happened and acknowledge and honor that that happened and that it was painful and that it hurt but what do you make that mean what do you make Mm. that mean about you now and are you going to let yourself stay there or are you going to, you know, we, the, the reality is whether you like it or not, the only thing that we can control in our life is our mind to a degree. And you can stay stuck there or you can take actions to make you feel alive, to make you feel good, to make you feel grounded and self-love. Like you don't need love from anybody else. The love is created from within you. And when you focus on that, I literally, I always like go to my heart and like my center here because once you ground yourself in that deep self-love, you don't need to be your target weight to have that love for yourself, knowing that you're worthy of more. And this is what I always bring it back to is like connecting to your center, connecting to your heart, knowing that that happened, acknowledging it, honoring it and being there with that and holding space for that. Like that's big. Like someone's been taught that's a lot of trauma that someone's experienced and allowing them to feel that with compassion with that that real the holding space is such an important element of my work because just allowing someone to share that and to you know some people never share those things because it's there's so much shame around it like so Mm -hmm. much shame around that it's like you're i suppose that is i suppose maybe this is a better thing i know kevin hart gave a really good thing it's like 
he was like, you're, everyone's writing their book. Like, what does your book look like? What is the ta- chapters? And it's a lot like, I don't know, take a garden, for example, right? Just because you've got one maybe bad bad thing or bad page that you wrote in your book, it doesn't mean that the whole book is, is now to be defined at the end. And the blurb is just about that one chapter when there's 20 chapters. Maybe, this is really random, but it's like, maybe you had a really nice garden, right? And you've got flowers, you've got a garden room, but maybe there's a sinkhole in the garden, right? You don't look at that garden and be like, ah, that garden's so crap. It's got a massive sinkhole and not take in all of the amazing, incredible things and allow that one thing. You're like, my garden is incredible. It's got this, it's got that, it's got a garden room. It's got these beautiful flowers that bloom. It's got a sinkhole, but that's just part of my garden because that's my garden. That's just part of what makes my garden, my garden. I don't need to cover it up. I don't need to make it ownership. Like I can maybe do something with it to not cover it up, but maybe make it, you know, make it safe, make it more visually appealing. But ultimately you need to just understand that like, that's just part of the process. And ultimately sometimes you wouldn't be who you are today if that didn't also happen. Like that, that's something that I think is kind of important. What I found myself is that rather than feeling like just, like with regards to stuff like that happens, I think it's quite easy to feel like angry, have a lot of like anger and like set, like a little bit of like, it, why did it have to happen to me? Why did that happen, et cetera? And you can allow that to be like a ball and chain that drags you through life. And I think you're so right is the moment that you can kind of let go and be like, that did happen. It wasn't fair. It wasn't very nice and it shouldn't happen to people, but it did and I can't change it. What I can do is I can ultimately change my view of it, but understand that actually every moment up until where we are now, made you who you are, right? So like, yes, it wasn't nice and it shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. But what positives can I take from that, right? Maybe you were fat and you were bullied when you were younger. We can't change the fact that that happened, but what you can do, well, like Hayden, you you were a fat kid, right? So I'm sure someone made a <laughs> remark at some point, but what happened? You were like, well, eventually I made a change and I made a shift, which brought me to sitting here on this podcast because I got in tune with fitness and and, and stuff like that. Like there's always, I think there's always something in every situation, like like what you said, Alex, I suppose. I'm always like, you can't control, the world keeps on spinning, right? Life happens, as I always say. But what you can always, you can't control the action, the environment or how people do or what goes on to you. But you can always, you're always in control of how you react to it and your own thought processes of it, if that makes sense. Like, like death, for example, right? People usually... I like it used to be a sad thing. We mourn it. We get upset about it. Right. But now it's become this celebration of life rather than see things as sad and upsetting and be like, it's unfair that they're not around. That shouldn't have happened to them. We actually have now shifted to this like celebration of life. You look at the incredible things that, that happened up until this moment that were amazing that, that you can actually take gratitude for. Does that make sense? I think. Mm, yeah. And I, I think again, it, it's about what, what we make that mean. Like again, what, what do we make that mean? Someone said you were fat, but what does it actually mean anything? Because we associate, like we can make this easy or we can make it hard. And I, that's again, perception. Like if you want to lose weight, you can make it harder for yourself by speaking to yourself like crap. Mm-hmm. You can go through it. You can lose four stern and, and be horrible to yourself while you do it. Or you can lose four stern and be like, I'm worthy. I'm loved. I, you know, all of those things. And you can come from a place of like deep self-love and respect for mm-hmm. yourself and what you want to achieve from life and do it that way from a loving place and make it easy or you can make it more painful and I I really do think that again everyone has different experiences and I can only speak from my own experience but the minute that I was actually embodying self-love I immediately 
I can eat a packet of cookies and I can be talking to myself like rubbish, or I can eat a packet of cookies and be like, you know what? I really wanted that packet of cookies and it was really nice and I really enjoyed it. And honestly, the appeal of those cookies, it is not anywhere near as appealing because the self-loathing that came with eating those cookies, it was like I was craving that as validation and proof that I wasn't worthy of losing weight, that I wasn't worthy of achieving my goal weight. So actually, as soon as I took that away from it and I'm like, you can eat a packet of cookies if you want, but is it going to make you feel good? Probably not. Mm. And that's that, sodic mentality. Yeah. And it's like when you're coming from a place and I'm not saying it's really easy to love yourself. It is not. And it, it takes work. And it, all it takes actually is real commitment to yourself and knowing that coming from a place of deep self-love for yourself makes life so much more beautiful. You can live in the present moment more. You can experience it for what it actually is, not like looking outside of yourself. But honestly, I used to overeat a lot. I used to spend a lot of time like going to the shops, buying stuff, berating myself about it. And actually, it's really not that appealing anymore. I really don't need, and I'm not saying I don't do it, um, but I also know that when I do do it, I'm not being horrible to myself. I'm just like, all right, I ate an Easter egg. Fine. It was great. I enjoyed it. I'm not like... It's only February. (laughs) Fruit and nut Easter egg, by the way. (laughs) But yeah, and I think that as soon as I just stopped being awful Mm. to myself, it completely changed my relationship with food because I was like, what am I making this mean about myself? I've got no self-control. I can't control myself around food. I And all this, it's just rubbish. You feed into the, you feed into the belief right? It's why you pe- women have this sodic mindset when it comes to weight loss and why you overeat because you, like what you said, you overeat, not because you're not worth it. You can't do it. You, you, you feed quite physically, right? You feed a belief. If you believe you can do it, if you can shift your belief internally to understand that you are worth it, you do believe it, you et cetera, you start to feed what you believe, think, and what you feel, right? And the only reason as to why we go down these paths is because ultimately that's what we believe, right? We believe that we aren't worth it. We aren't the person that, you know, deserves to be loved, et cetera, et cetera. So changing that belief, then will change your actions around that belief to then feed the better belief that you have rather than feel the thing. And this is kind of a question to you, Alex, is it's kind of you think about your beliefs rather than society, because how much do you, I mean, we can say society plays a big role, right? Coming from someone like me, like I'm very self-conscious. I always have been, I think it's what plays into my own anxieties myself. I care an un, I can, I care an obscene amount of what, about what every single person on this planet thinks about me. I'll hold my hands up and say that, right? I always try not to. One of the reasons is the why I buzz cut my head because I was like, you know what, Ryan, actually do it because you wanted to do it to see what it looks like. And the only thing that stopped me because I was really scared that other people would say it didn't look good. That was the only thing that stopped me from doing it. It used to stop me. Like I'd wear like how I dress, what I do, what I'd say, my haircuts, my tattoos. Even now I get anxiety when I get a tattoo because I'm worried that someone else won't like it. True story. But my point is, is that how does society impact those things? Like, cause a lot of like, what well, I always have these, you know, society seeing you should do things, be things. This is the societal norms as it were. Yeah. Let's talk I mean, about. I, I, I ask this question and I ask my clients to ask themselves this all the time is where is this coming from? Because nine times out of 10, it's beliefs that are from our parents. Like we adopt beliefs from our yeah. parents, from our upbringing, from our friends. And honestly, that is what changed my life. Like, I quit my corporate job to pursue this career path. And, you know, I love my parents to pieces, but my dad was like, you're not doing that. And because he couldn't understand that it was possible to do something differently. 
And it takes a lot of courage to actually remove yourself from that situation and actually ask yourself, like, is this what I want from life? And society, when you start asking yourself these questions, it really hugely transforms the way that you just move through the world. Like I ask myself constantly, like, is that my belief? And I literally ask myself and I say out loud, is that my belief? And it's things like, I had a client who said to me, like, I I felt I really didn't want to send my child to school today. He wasn't very well. And I, I felt like I maybe should have pushed him to go, but I didn't want to. And I'm like, again, these are just constructs that have been built. And then we're forced to believe that that's the right thing. But actually, like, tune into what is it that you actually believe? Because what happens is we just end up all being the same. And we're here to be in our uniqueness, to be in our beliefs. And I I see it all the time. Like there's just echo chambers on people's followings and there's no nuance for a discussion because everyone feels like this is the way society does it. This is how I have to be. This is how much money I need to earn. I need to get married. I need to have children. All of these things. It's like, I questioned myself a lot around like, this is going off on one, but like around marriage, like, is that something I believe in? Is that something that actually aligns Mm -hmm. with my values? And I was like, oh yeah, it does. And I just unpicked it because I was like, this deserves time, my time to really think about it. But we don't question things. We just do them. And even things like our beliefs around like what is acceptable in terms of like weight loss and weight gain. And it's like, there is so much pressure to be a certain size. And I just think some people are not designed to be that size and you're just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and actually just accept that maybe you're not going to be a size eight and maybe you know that's okay Mm. but I just think we we don't question so we just and society you you know that's what society is it's there to be a construct it's there for us to conform and most exceptional people in on the planet don't conform like there is people yeah no one who is like extraordinary mm-hmm. is a conformist. Yeah. They've challenged beliefs. They've challenged the way things are done. And everything, yeah. everything that's done, isn't it? Like, like yeah. from the light bulb to energy, it's all because they believed in things that weren't currently there. If that makes it sense. It all started with a thought. It all mm. started with a thought. Like everything we see in front of us is a thought. But again, I'll bring it back to weight loss just for the purpose of this. But, you know, these things that like we tell ourselves like, oh, I'm never going to be slim. Like it's in my genetics. Like I emotionally, I don't deserve to be slim. All of these beliefs that we have, like really unpick them because they're not true. None of them are true. None of those beliefs that we hold are true. And if you keep clinging on to them, are you actually committed? Are you committed? Because I would question that you're not. If you want to keep using these beliefs, excuses, whatever it is, unpick them, get committed to what you actually want and you will see your life change. And I talk about this a lot, the difference between self-compassion and self-sabotage. I really believe in self-compassion, but it's so easy to slip into, oh, you know, I don't need to go to the gym today. Or yeah, you don't need to. You absolutely don't need to. But do you want to? Is it a gift to yourself to go to the gym? Like knowing when your body needs rest and knowing when you still need to move your body or where you want to move your body, when it's going to make you feel good. But the difference between self-compassion and self-sabotage is very fine. There's a very fine line between the two. And when I realized that, I was like, whoa, (laughs) this is why I'm not going to the next level in my life, in my business. And you keep yourself there. And And I I think that's why it's, it's, it's super. This is why, like I, for myself, I'm a sucker. I have to be one of the most, the way that like, and I always use this as an example, right? Like I'm probably the one of the, I have to be one of the most disciplined, lazy person. Like I'm so, I understand when it's like, 
if I don't do my morning routine, like, oh, maybe I could just do my ice bath later. Or maybe I could do that later. Or actually, you know what? Maybe I just train this part today. I was meant to do my arms, but maybe I'll just push. I'm so easily like, I'll do it later or I'll do it tomorrow. I push it. I know I'm awful at that. And I think that's such a common thing, exactly like what you were saying when it's like, you can be overly compassionate, which allows yourself to ultimately, like I'm going to say it, ultimately get lazy, right? Because ultimately you give yourself too much permission. And I think this is where two things, one society has become, we are too, we know time is of the essence. We want things quick, but ultimately therefore we have become, we're on autopilot, right? A lot of your issues because you don't stop and think like, oh, you just consider it normal that you overeat, you've got a stressful job, you do all these things. And I'm like, it's because you're on autopilot. You've never stopped to think, well, why am I overeating? Like, I still have three meals a day. Why am I choosing at those three meals? I still have a lunch break. Why am I choosing to, like, you all, you're on autopilot throughout loads of your day. We need to think more as human beings because ultimately, I think a lot of our issues that we face in all areas of our life, actually, exactly what you said. Like the whole stop and unpick, right? It's because you're stopping, you're thinking about stuff. You're not just allowing it to happen to you and then claiming that uh, entitlement afterwards be like, it's unfair. Well, actually, if you stop and thought about it a little bit, you could actually take power back and you could actually change that outcome ultimately as well. And then secondly, it's about being compassionate to yourself to produce a positive outcome, not be overly compassionate where you, like you said, ultimately it's, it's, it, it becomes self-compassion, which leads to self-sabotage because I'll sometimes be like, I'll do like yesterday. I was like, wrote it down. How about I'm keeping days meditation things? I'm going to do meditation. I usually would do it in the afternoon. I put it off because I had something else to do. And I was like, I'll do it before bed. By the time I got to bed, I forgot about it. I got to my desk this morning, opened my journal. And I was like, I literally wrote that down twice. I thought about it, but because I pushed it off, so I was like, it's okay, you'll do it later. It then didn't get done. And so now today I'm like, right, how do I change that? And so I'm literally being like, right, three o'clock, 10 minutes on the dot, no excuses. So I'm now thinking like, right, I need to plan it in, schedule it and put it in a time block in here. It will get done today. But I'm such a sucker for that. So what what do you do, I suppose? This is where I kind of want to transition a little bit because I know I'm careful, cautious with time. Is transitions are now some like practical tools, I suppose, for negative self-talk the way you talk about you but not take that too far when it's like you start to be self-compassionate but then that sabotages you because and i find it a lot of my clients i have to be very careful and we've had this conversation haven't we hayden where i've been overly as a coach you'll understand this alex some people you can be the nice guy with sometimes you need to be the slam the smackdown on right and i need to be a little bit more straight talking with them I got too stuck with the self-compassionate Ryan and it was like, that's okay. Don't worry. Whereas I'm like, no, no, no. Actually, what we need to do is we need to bring this back. Like we don't need to forget about this. Like you have, a, that's cool. It was just one day. Let's move on. Sometimes that's right. But if you keep doing that and then we keep doing it and three days of the week, we're doing that. Don't worry about it. Let's move on. Well, we're now self-sabotaging ourselves through self-compassion. So I'm a, I'm a, I've just lit that fire. You try and put that out. So first of all, Sorry, no, 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 you you go, Alex. You go, Alex. I've uh, I've I've just got, I've got a thought on this after you. Okay. Before I forget. So, firstly, write it down. Firstly, the first the first thing that I would say is, you you need to be clear on your values and your goals, because yes, we can be self compassionate, especially like you work with women in the menstrual cycles. There's going to be certain times of the month where it is a little, it, everything just feels a bit more hard, and it feels a bit harder to get to the gym. You do it anyway. But, you know, if your body needs rest, your body needs rest. And I think that's important. So first of all, it's understanding the difference between when you actually need rest and when you actually just don't want to go. 
they're two different things. And I'm just using yeah. that as a, a minor example, but getting no, clear on your values, your why, and your goals. Like, are you serious about that goal? Because if you're not that serious, that's not your problem. It's not, and no one can really help you with that. So I really believe getting clear on core values, getting really clear on your why, really clear on your goals and keep coming back to it. Don't just write your why once when you start a program. Don't just write your core values. You need to be living your values every single moment of every single day. And I believe that to be true. You need to write them somewhere, be very clear on them. And if you're not embodying them, maybe that's not one of your values then. Maybe it isn't a value and maybe you just think it should be. So the values need to be aligned with you specifically, not because you think they should be a value. For example, if one of your values is family, but is it really a core value? So getting clear on that would be the biggest starting point for me. The second point is when you enter the realms of self-sabotage, it's not about berating yourself. It's about reflecting on that. And I would get back to your journal. And again, all these things that I share are very simple, gentle techniques. None of them are aggressive, but it doesn't mean that they're easy and it doesn't mean people do them. And let me tell you, I always say this. If you journal consistently every single day, your life will transform. But how many people journal consistently with intention and actually use what they have written in their journal to reflect Rather on than the tick box on? task. Exactly. I stop journaling when it's tick boxing. If I'm not intentionally in that space of journaling, I'm not doing it. Hmm. So journal on it. So you're not, when you get to the self-sabotage, you're not going down the negative self-talk. You're not beating yourself up about it. But what you are doing is using it as an opportunity to reflect, get clear on, is this in line with my values? No. Okay. That's maybe why I didn't do that. Do I care that much? Am I that committed to that goal? How much do I want it? All of these things, that self-reflection piece when you enter the realm of self-sabotage in a non-judgmental with full awareness and compassion when you do it, knowing that it's about commitment to your goal, not around doing something because you think you should. And this is what happens when, again, we do things based on societal expectations of we should be X weight. Do you actually care about being that weight? Because if you don't, stop pretending that you do. <laughs> like it's not, it's literally that simple. And get clear on it. Get really, really honest with yourself. Stop making excuses and just be honest with yourself and get to the root of what it is. If it's not in line with your values, like don't do it then. And then you can walk away from stuff. You can set boundaries. You're in relationships and spaces with people that are going to support you, not being surrounded by people. For example, if you feel like you're not going to the gym, and then you've been with people all day at work. You were like, why are you going to the gym? Don't bother going to the gym. You don't need to go to the gym. All of those things. Actually, you can see that that's kind of maybe what's triggered you that day to think, oh, I don't really need to go to the gym. But when you're surrounded by people who are maybe like, oh, I think it's amazing that you go to the gym. It's really great. Like, I can see the difference it's made to how you show up at work and those things. Then remove yourself from those situations or protect yourself when you go into those situations with full awareness. So it's coming at it with a non-judgmental approach and awareness so that you can take action that then is in line with your values and your goals. And I would say it's again, simple, but do people do it? That's my always. Yeah. Yes. And that's comes down to a lot of things is a lot of time. It's consistency. It's doing the boring stuff over and over again that produces the results. And it's a lot of the time people overcomplicate it and then therefore lack the consistency, which therefore then means you don't see the results. Mm -hmm. Go on ahead. Yeah, no, I was just echo a lot of what I like, literally pretty much in constructed different ways is exactly my thought process of what you were saying, Alex, like completely wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. I mean, just to really like echo some bits is like, 
so I've had I had this battle for so long with so many clients where it was like, just like Ryan was saying, where it was like, oh, I'm overeating at the weekend. Don't worry, I'm on it again next week. And I'm like, this is happening every single week. And I'm like, we know if we do these things, like you're going to be successful. Now, one that I talk about all the time is like, so going to like Ryan's point as well, is like time blocking. So it's like, how many times do I say like time block, time block? Because you get tasks done. But then it goes back to, again, like for you, the meditation clearly isn't an important part of your life. Otherwise, you wouldn't, you would have implemented it. And this is what I say with my clients with their nutrition. I'm like, if you time block and you literally time block, pre-plan your nutrition for the next day, log when you're going to do your walking and your steps, you cannot, like, it's impossible to fail. Like, you cannot fail. Like, I'm like, I promise you, it's impossible. You can't not do it. Same with time blocking. If you time block, you can't fail. You literally can't fail. It's impossible. But there's something that stops us from doing that thing. There's something in our life that is stopping us from doing it. For so for Ryan's situation, the meditation, there'll be something that's stopping you from doing that. For my for my client's situation, there's stump, thump, something that's stopping her doing that pre-planning. And I'm like, that's what we need to work on. Like That's the thing that we have to address and stop. Not the fact, because I could sit here every week and say pre-plan, pre-plan, pre-plan. But until we really tap mm. into why you're not pre-planning, like we can't yeah. move forward. It's impossible. And, and and you're so and I know now why. Literally, as you said it, I was like, I know why. I do those ice baths for my me- for my mental health, right? Because and also I like it because I like starting off like, like I was saying about like discipline and stuff. I like to start my day off with something that I don't like to do because one, it's good for my mental health, the ice bath. But two, I don't want to do it. I do it, which is just a tick for me to be like, see, actually, just get rid of that voice in your head get something done and you can do it. It's kind of like a bit of a proof thing. Well, I know that I do that. So the days that I do that and I'm going to meditate, I sometimes hit and miss because I know I've already done ice bath, which to me in my head, I'm like, well, I've already done one thing for my mental health today. Whereas if I don't do the ice bath, right? First thing in the morning, I say, I'm going to do that later. Every time I've done that, I've done the meditation because then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'll do the meditation today for my mental health because I haven't done the ice bath. Do you see what I mean? So it's like, Mm. The reason is the ice bath, but the reason why I don't do both things sometimes is because you're like, well, I've already done that for it. So then you give yourself grace for the second, if that makes sense. Whereas when I know the meditation I need to get done, because I have to do something every day for my mental health, because that is something that I value. That's when it will get done, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And I always think, I was actually thinking about this yesterday around like non-negotiables, because I really, I really love this idea of non-negotiables. And I believe in you know, we, I believe in the ebb and flow of life, especially like as a woman with a menstrual cycle, I think it's really important that we tune into that ebb and flow. So my non-negotiables are different through the different phases of the month. But again, I know myself so much with so much self-awareness that my morning routine at the beginning of my cycle is a lot more intense than it is at the end of my cycle. And I just know that about myself because I've spent the time studying myself and learning and getting to know what is actually achievable for me. And it, obviously everything's achievable at any stage, but I just feel like that's what feels good for me. And I always go off how things make me feel. And what happens, going back to the tick boxing, which happens so much, is we do, I need to journal, I need to meditate, I need to go on a morning walk, I need to go to the gym. Are you enjoying any of it? Because mm. life is not here to tick box. Like I love going to the gym and that's why it's so easy for me to do. I can go to the gym five, six times a week and I never, probably, and except when I was traveling, but the last six years I've gone to the gym consistently five days a week because I enjoy it. I can Mm -hmm. journal because I enjoy it. I can go on a walk because I enjoy it. But what happens when we tick box, we're not even tuning into how we feel. So you can't even refer back a week later and be like, well, I felt really good when I went on that walk. 
because you don't even know because you were probably your head was chatting rubbish to you as well probably being awful so it's probably not that being that great for you and I say this as well like we talk about self-care a lot and you know but if you're in the bath oh it's self-care I'm having a bath but you're in the bath and you're being horrible to yourself in your mind thinking feeling guilty for resting feeling like you should be doing something with your kids you know prioritizing that time it's not self-care because you're literally not loving yourself that's what self-care is you think about caring for someone else you're showing them love you're showing them compassion you're being present with them but when we do self-care for ourselves are you being present are you loving yourself are you being compassionate like stop doing these self-care things that are wasting your time because you're not even resting you're actually probably more drained having sat in the bath listened to your own thoughts that were berating you for something you did earlier and I just think stop doing it you know when we can really learn to be in the present moment with the tools and resources, like being in that present moment, there is nothing. And like being able to navigate life in that present moment. You think about when you're like overcome with this urge to eat, being in that present moment and being able to tap into the resources because you're actually present rather, and I speak from my own experience here, rather than being in this chaotic where you you have tools and resources, but you're so blinded by the fact that you need to stuff your face with these cookies that you're not even tapping into any tools. So the power of being in that present moment. So you're like, right, what do I need? Is it that I need to message Ryan and say, this is how I'm feeling right now? Is it that I need to put on some music that's going to take me out of this experience? Do I need to meditate? And everyone's going to have a different toolbox, different things that work for them, which is why awareness is a really beautiful gift for yourself to understand what actually works well for you. But yeah, that being in that present moment, being mm-hmm. able to tap into that is just, it's a really, it's really transformative yeah. and it will shift yeah. a lot. Intention. Whenever you do something, and this is, this is so, you're so, you're so, 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 so right. Is it, you have to do it with intention. Like that you have to intentionally want to do like there's some mornings that i read my book and i'm like i don't really fancy reading but i promise i'll do 10 pages and i always do it in the morning so i do that like that i never miss that but there are some mornings where i read it and i'm literally like and it does take you a little and you're right you, you have to do things with intention because otherwise it doesn't serve the purpose doing it doesn't give you the outcome it doing it with intention so that it gives you the reward but the reward often comes through the thought process of doing that thing, through the thought process of doing the ice bath. Yes, physiologically, but the psychological thing that that ice bath does is it gives me quiet peace in my head. Same as meditation, right? That's why I do them. But I have to go into it intentionally. If I sit in that ice bath and I'm thinking about all the other fucking, cr- sorry, language people, apologies, all the crap that's going on in my life, that's not going to happen. Like, it will have the physiological, but it's not going to give you the psychological benefits that I want to get out of it. I have to go into yeah. it and embrace the coldness, if that makes sense. I'm aware of time. Is there any kind of closing closing notes from either of you? I would just say commit to yourself. Commit to like understanding yeah. yourself, connecting inwards, like spending time with yourself, understanding what it is that, drives your behaviors that drives these patterns get committed to understanding and studying yourself like treat yourself as a project and understand who you are you know what lights you up what excites you what makes you happy what the people that fill your soul just study yourself 
that would be the biggest thing that I would say. And, you know, maybe take a break from reading some books, maybe take a break from absorbing information, integrate one thing, but study yourself. And that's the most important thing I think you can do is learn about yourself. Mm. Like this is like this has genuinely been like one of my favorite episodes that we've we've done. And I think um I always say this is like the actual principle of weight loss is simple, but it's not easy. And the reason it's not easy is because of all of these everything we've spoken about today, which goes so much deeper than just calories in versus yeah. calories out. And this is why I think like I, I definitely like we'll have to get you on the podcast again and do like a, another episode because I, I I think we literally scraped the surface with half of the stuff today, and I think there's so many more levels that we can go deeper. And like, go on, sorry, I was going to say, and I think it would just be so relevant for the audience, like because we do talk a lot about you know flexible dieting, calories in, calories out, but I think these type of topics are really where like a lot of people need to be paying value. their attention. Yeah. And people don't understand. We say this. We're like, I reckon 90% of weight loss is psychology and mindset because ultimately we know we have to, like it's shit advice. Yes. Eat less, move more. But the things that impact why you move more and why you eat more or why you move less and eat more, whatever, whatever you want to say it. But really it comes down to your eating, right? Why you eat, how you eat, what you eat, when you eat is dictated by so much more than just being like, oh, I've just got to hit my calories. No, like stress, emotion, previous trauma, your mindset. There's so many things that impact because food has become such a powerful tool that we use to self-medicate. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things. So I, I always just think your relationship with food is a distraction from something else. Like, look at that. Like, look at your relationship with mm. food and it will tell you everything you need to know about yourself. Mm, yeah. Well, uh, that's a that that's like a mic drop moment, um, <laughs> and we'll we'll end it there. Alex, before we go, where can where we know where we can say where can we find you? But where can we find you? Where can we find you? Like on Instagram, website. Okay, so the best place to find me is on Instagram. It's Alex underscore Rewild, and then my website is Rewild Reimagine, and I just share on there all of the ways that you can work with me. But I share a lot of content over on Instagram. I'm always on my stories, chatting, absolute. Well, <laughs> in, my, in my UD, in my UD normally. <laughs> um, We've got so, the same yeah. snoody. <laughs> so, um, Aileen, you got to get in this club. <laughs> so yeah, find me on there. But yeah, Instagram is where I'm most present. And if you like drop me messages on there, I'll get back to you the quickest via Instagram. Yeah, love that. And look, we'll post it in the notes. So if you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, or watching it on YouTube, wherever, it's in the show notes. So give it a click, give Alex a follow. And if you need anything and this has sparked some real kind of like insight into like, look, this is going to be kind of life-changing for me, then drop Alex a message as well. But apart from that, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you, Alex, for being part of this, as Hayden said, one of the favorite episodes that we've done. Yeah, it's amazing. So see you later, guys. Bye. Bye.